Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. It sounds strange coming from the mouth of a a Pentecostal preacher, but what happened to me in 1994 with that visitation, that personal visitation, first of all, it was not... It, it was first for me more than anything else. And, and I learned a lot about, about revival and about my personal um, uh, priorities as a Christian, not as a pastor. And God visited me in 1994 and began to turn my focus and my attention back on God being the center of all things in my life. Not, him, not me being the center of His universe, but Him being the center of my universe. Thank you, Lord. He's an awesome God. When he starts to speak from the heavens, it's time to listen. I'm telling you, there's, if, you have, if you haven't been in our Revelations class on Wednesday nights, there's some tough days coming for the world. There's some incredible miracles coming, and there's, some, there's stuff that's going to happen that's going to be beyond man's human imagination. The heavens, the heavens are right now groaning and anticipating the great coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, it's, it's going to be awesome. Anyway, I want to take you today to John chapter 14. In a few minutes, we're going to be taking communion, and I want to I help you marry together today the whole concept of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, those, those, two, those two are not two different topics. They're one topic. It's one, it's one topic, and, and that night that Jesus um, taught his disciples extensively about the Holy Spirit was the night of all nights. It was the night that he had, first of all, he girded himself as a slave in John chapter 13, dressed like a slave, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, which was a shocking, a shocking display of humility. But beyond the display of humility, it was a picture of the coming ministry of the Holy Spirit, the washing of the, the nurturing, washing, continuous ministry of the third person of the Trinity. And then Jesus, he, he served to them communion, and, and he talked to them about, about his death, about his broken body, and about his shed blood, and how that's, that's why he came, to lay down his life for, for his sheep. And then he, he went into an extensive teaching for the first time in John 14, 15, and 16 on the person of the Holy Spirit. It was, it was life-changing for these disciples. He began to teach them that, you know, the things that you've seen in my life these last three years, these are the things that are going to be happening in your life. The power that was in me is about to come upon you. You're about to experience the power of my anointing and the power of my presence in you, upon you, and through you like you never imagined was possible. And that's what he began to teach them in John chapter 14. It was, he, he, it's John 14, 16 and 17. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Everyone say another helper. That was actually the name of the, my first book, Another Helper. In the, in the language that, that the Bible was written in, in the Greek language, it was the, word, the words alos parakletos. I will give to you another helper. The word parakletos has been translated friends. I'm going to give you another friends. Um, one translation calls it the one who's called alongside to help us. But the word alos is a very unique and very powerful, powerful word, very specific in, in what Jesus was saying. The word alos 
is the word we would use for another or different, but it's the same kind of another. It's not, it's not a different another. It's not like we have a, a, a male person and a female person, two people, but they're different. No, we have two individuals that are exactly alike. This pew and that pew, they're exactly alike. They're the same color. They're the same length. They have the same wood, the same fabric. They're exactly the same. They're, they're inseparable. And that's what Jesus was trying to communicate to his disciples. Yeah, I'm going to leave. And, and I know you don't want me to leave. I'm going to leave you in my, in my human form, in my human body. But I'm going to not leave you as orphans. I'm going to send Alos Paracletos, another helper who's exactly like me. And he's going to come and be with you. He's going to work in you. He's going to work through you. Instead of just working in me, he's going to be working through all of my disciples. Not these, just these 12, but through thousands and thousands of my followers that are going to go into all the world to the end of time. I'm going to anoint them to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today is the day, my friends, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. He wants to anoint you in a greater capacity for His glory to work in you and through you for the glory of God. Now listen to this verse from the Message Bible. He says, I will talk to the Father and He'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the Spirit of Truth. Everyone say Spirit of Truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he's been staying with you and will even be in you. I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby that he might remain with you forever. And Jesus called him the spirit of truth. Now this... Again, another very specific word. The word truth that Jesus used was the word aletheia. And it it means more than just being right about your facts. You know, you can be right. The devil can, can have information about Jesus and not have Jesus working in his life. You can have all the right information. You can know all the right songs. You can know the routine, you can know the formulas, and you can know the Christian doctrine, but not have the reality of God in your life. This is not about right information. It's about about the reality of God in your life. And what Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you the spirit of reality. He's going to come and make God real. He's going to come and make Jesus real. He's going to come and make the Bible real. He's going to come and make the church real. He's going to come and make worship real. He's going to come and make life real for you, the reality of God in your soul. Now that, I don't know about you, but that is, that is what my, my hungry heart is looking for. I want something real. Yeah, yes, I want something real. There was a, a song that we used to sing in, a few years ago that we sing now and then. It's called, it was the David Ruiz song, Lord, I groan, Lord, I kneel. I'm crying out for something real. Are you crying out this morning for something real or are you satisfied with a, a facade? Are you satisfied with surface-level Christianity? Or do you want the reality of God that only comes by the person and the power of the Holy Ghost? Now listen, listen to this. So I want to just 
take you through some, some thoughts for a few moments about, about God making, making it real in our life. Real love. Everyone say real love. Romans 5, 5 says, Hope does not put us to shame or does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So one of, the, one of the things that the Holy Spirit brings into our life and makes, and makes real to us is the love of God. The love of God becomes more than a concept, more than just something that we believe in. So, you know, we, we've heard God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Holy Spirit comes and He makes that word a reality in our heart where we actually begin to taste the love of God in our life. The love of God comes down to us and we taste it and we embrace it. You know, one of the greatest human needs that all of us have, all of us need one basic element in our life. We need, probably more than anything else, we need to be loved. We need, we're born with, in, a, in, a, in a state of infancy and that little baby needs his mother's love. He needs somebody to hold him, someone to cuddle him, someone to love him, someone to take care of him, more than, more than just his food and more than just his natural um, necessities. He needs the love of his mom and the love of his dad and ultimately the love of a family. That baby needs to be loved. And if that is taken away from that child, there's going to be repercussions all the rest of its life. That child is going to be hurt. It's going to be hurt because it never tasted the reality of love. It was made to be loved. And when it's not loved, there's, there's all sorts of disorders and psychological, emotional situations that begin to be birthed in that person's heart. Now, there is a love. Oh, yeah, there is a love. There, there is a love. There is a love. Has anyone tasted it? There is a love that's greater than the love of a mother. There is a love that's greater than the love of a father. There is a love that's greater than the love of a brother. There is a love that's greater than the love that anything this world has to offer us. Better than the love of a lover. There is a supernatural love. And it's the reality of the Holy Spirit kissing our hearts and embracing us. Have you ever been loved before? I mean, have you ever really, really been loved by God? He will come and heal your brokenness. He'll heal your broken heart from the, from the missing parts of your life. He'll heal you. He'll, the, one of the first things that Jesus preached was, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to heal the broken hearts. Has your heart been broken? Have you been let down or disappointed? I'm telling you, there is a lover that's bigger than life. There is a lover that's greater than life. I found a love that's greater than life. How about you? And that love will hold you and kiss you and embrace you and transform your life. It's the reality of God pouring out and pouring out and pouring out into our souls. Wait upon the Lord and he will love you. He'll embrace you. It says, Paul said it like this in Ephesians 3.19. That we might know, he's praying for us, that we might know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. To know something that can't be known, naturally speaking. To know something by the heart. To know something by the Spirit. To know the love of God that comes to us as an awesome person. 
when his love fills the room and he baptizes us and saturates us with his goodness. Jesus also told his disciples not only about real love, but about real power. Everyone say power. You will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the end of the earth. We need more than good information. We need the power of God. I don't, I don't know about you, but this world is filled with, it's filled with temptation. It's pulling us this way and pulling us that way. There's discouragement on one side, temptation on the other side, false promises of pleasure and satisfaction on the other side. And without the power of God, you and I are going to fall in some sort of a pit. But there is a real power, the power of God. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 16, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its names, in order that the, according to the riches of his glory, that he might, might, might grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. You want moral power? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to get filled with moral courage? Pray in tongues. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Let God's love get strong on you. It's power to live godly in Christ Jesus. Power to live right. Power to live beyond compromise. Power to live the Christian testimony in this goofed up world. This power is not only in us. This power also is flowing through us for his glory. Jesus said it like this to his disciples in Mark 16. He said to them, go into all the worlds and proclaim the gospel to every creature. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who refuses to believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Hallelujah. These signs will accompany those who believe. I believe this part of the Bible too. In my name, they'll cast out demons. The power, the supernatural power of God is greater than the demonic realm. And in the name of Jesus, the power of God drives demons out of people's lives. You know, there, there is, if you, if you want to have, have an education, come stand up here in the prayer line some of the nights or some of the mornings. Sometimes some the power of God starts moving up here. All kinds of stuff is taking place. And one thing I've learned, I've learned one thing, if I haven't learned anything else, that there is nothing even close to the power of God. Are you kidding me? Demons run in terror when he shows up. When God Almighty, the third person of the Trinity, begins to show up, demons run for their lives. They come out screaming and running for cover. I'm telling you, the power of God is awesome. This is what Jesus said about it. He said, they will cast out demons. He said, they will speak in new tongues. With their hands, they'll pick up snakes. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will in no way harm them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover in the name of Jesus. There's power, supernatural power. The church my friends, the church is intended by God to be filled with power. The church of the last days is going to be the greatest display of the power of God that this world has ever seen. God has saved his best for last. The best time and season of signs and wonders will be in, in, in preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. If you're uncomfortable with the power of God, 
If you're uncomfortable with the power of God, you're uncomfortable with God himself. The power of God is the third person of the Trinity. He's a person and he's awesome. This power will change your life. This power will transform you. This power will fill you with love for the hurting. You'll find yourself loving people you used to despise. The love of God will flow out of you and flow through you for his glory. Real power, real worship. The hour's coming and now is here where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father seeking people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I want you to think with me for just a moment. Maybe you can close your eyes and just think for just a moment. When was the first time you can remember hearing the sound of real worship? The first time. I can remember the night that I heard real worship for the first time. I went to a a Bible study. It was here in New Orleans on Carrollton Avenue. It was upstairs in the first block of North Carrollton. It was over a pizza parlor. And I went into that Bible study in this apartment. And they were gathering in there singing songs about the Lord. And and one of the guys in there started playing his guitar and started singing out to the Lord from his heart, pouring out his heart, singing in other tongues. I had never heard about other tongues before. I didn't know there was such a thing as a heavenly language. You know, as being raised as a good Baptist, I'd been warned about those horrible Catholics not to go anywhere near the Catholics. That's what I was taught. But, and so all I could think of, oh my gosh, this guy must be Catholic. He's praying in Latin. This is, this is crazy. I've never heard Latin before. It wasn't Latin. It was the Holy Ghost. But, you know, and, and I, so I thought, this is, this is the devil. This is soup. I'm not comfortable with this, but, but I stayed there and And the more I stayed there, I started feeling this incredible presence in that atmosphere. Oh, they weren't just singing songs. These songs were inhabited. These songs had a presence. There was something, there was something, there was something real about these songs. Something that rang true. Something that went beyond my just tapping of the foot or, or a melody that I happened to like. But it was a song, a word that went right into my very soul. You know, I was recently, um, you know, not really, several years ago, someone gave me these, these CDs called the Songs of Angels. And, you know, I, some people have heard of these Songs of Angels before. But, um, you know, I was, it was not the style of music that I liked. You know, I was raised in the rock and roll culture. You know, I liked rock and roll music. I didn't like opera music. And this guy was an opera singer. So I put these CDs on in my car and I listened to him for a few minutes. You know, I was just going to see what it is. And he starts to sing and he's singing in this, this strange opera voice. But there was something, even though it wasn't, it wasn't my style, I didn't like that style of music. And, and maybe you don't like the style of music that we have in our church. The style is really insignificant. Because as I sat there and listened to this guy sing opera music for a few minutes, suddenly the car was filled with the presence of Almighty God. Oh yeah, it was God himself had moved. Why, why was that? This was real. This was more than just songs, more than just seeing a nice tune that he happened to like. This guy had an encounter with God. When he opened his heart, it came out of his mouth and flooded my car. It's real. 
It says in John 4, 23 and 24, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is seeking such people. Now that to me, talk about condescending, talking about humility. God the Father is searching for worshipers. Wow. I mean, why would he need to search for worshipers? He is, he is the fountain of all things. He is greatness. He is majesty. He is holiness. He is everything there is. And he's seeking for somebody to acknowledge his greatness. Someone to recognize the glory of God displayed in redemption. Someone to recognize the glory of God displayed in the person of Jesus Christ. Somebody to see the glory of God displayed in his church. For somebody to recognize the greatness of our Father and to bow and say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with your glory. Someone to recognize the majesty and the honor and the power and the glory and the kingdom and the dominion that belongs to our God. Our God is seeking worshipers and he seeks worshipers by blasting them with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost goes and gets on somebody and he transforms that person from a, a, from a blasphemer into a worshiper. He transformed Paul from a blasphemer into a worshiper. He transformed the Gadarene demoniac from a demoniac and a blasphemer into a worshiper of Almighty God. He transformed Mary Magdalene from a prostitute, from a hooker, into a worshiper of Almighty God. He's looking for worshipers. All it takes is a taste of the reality of God and you are destroyed forevermore. You are turned and transformed into a hopeless, helpless worshiper and you won't care what style of music it is anymore. You won't complain about the style of music anymore because you have been changed and frankly the style means nothing to you. All you wanna do is magnify God. You wanna find somebody, you wanna find something that's real. You wanna find something that's real. You don't care what it looks like. You don't even care, you don't even care if it's that good. You just want something real. As long as it's real, it's, it's all that matters. Real worship. And then he turns us into, into real people. Oh, no more phonies, no more facades. Oh no, no more hucksters. No more religious hucksters. Paul said it like this, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We're treated as imposters. We're treated as imposters, and yet we're true as unknown yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Yeah, it's real, real. Oh yeah, real. Yes, that's, 
That's the, that's the, the, the genuineness of Christianity. He turns us into legitimate human beings that live what we believe. No more cunningly devised fables. No more hypocrisy. Just, we are, you, you got what you see, we are what we are, and that's Christ. Christ in us, the reality of God. You know, I, I don't know about you, but, but I'm looking for genuine people, genuine friends, genuine worshipers, genuine, true believers. That only comes when the friend himself comes and transforms their life. Genuine Christianity. Let me finish up here. I have two more scriptures. Paul told Timothy, his disciple, who was being hammered, he was being challenged, he was being tra- pushed and shoved by the, by the leadership of the community, the, 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 the political leaders were trying to stop the power of God in Ephesus. And um, you know, the Lord told him in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, he says, for this reason, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Timothy, don't back off. You don't need a form of godliness. Timothy, what happened to you? You were just a teenager. I laid my hands on you and the power of God came on you. Don't forget, Timothy, this is about the power of God. We started by the power of signs and wonders. We have to finish with the power of signs and wonders. Don't back off. Don't become seeker sensitive. Don't become casual Christianity. Stay full of Pentecostal power. How do you do that, Timothy? Stir it up. Stir it up, Timothy. Stir up the fire. Stir up the flame. Fan the flame again. Fan it up. Blow on those embers in your belly, Timothy. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Stir up the gift of God. You need the power. If you're going to affect this world, Timothy, you need power from on high. We don't need a form of godliness, not just good words, good preaching, and a slick program. It's more than good music and a good organizational structure. We need the power of God, my friends. We have to have the power of God. You can build a great church by organization with good teaching and good programs and good music without the power of God. We need the power of God more than anything else. It's it's the pinnacle. It's what transforms lives. It's what saves our souls. It's what heals our bodies and what delivers us from the pit of destruction. It's what we need in our lives. One last scripture that I want to read to you out of John chapter 10. That Jesus is talking about real life. He says, the thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I've come that they might have life. Jesus came to give us real, abundant life. That we might have it more abundantly. The New Living Translation says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich, satisfying life. Wow, can you just stop? When you lay your head on your pillow tonight and you go to bed, can you say, I am satisfied with my life? Oh, maybe you haven't, maybe you're not famous. Maybe you haven't made a lot of money. Maybe nobody knows who you are. But can you lay your head down tonight and say, I am satisfied with my life because I am satisfied with my God. He is enough for me. 
I'm going to walk in my integrity. I'm going to walk in his love. And I'm satisfied with who I am and who he is. He's more than enough for me. He's given me life. And I love my life. I love what he's called me to do. I love my portion. I love my little spots in creation. I love who I am today in Christ. Hallelujah. The thief comes in order to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they might have and enjoy life and have it in the abundance. You see, the, the, the reason this sounds strange to some people is the natural man can only think of being satisfied by, by his physical circumstances, by his money, by his career, by his accomplishments, by whatever he's taken pride in. But that's not what Christ is talking about. He's talking about a different quality of life. The word that he used for life is the word Zoe. Everyone say Zoe. The word Zoe, it's not talking about biological life or psychological life. It's talking about the life of God in our soul. It's spiritual life. Jesus said, I came to give you Zoe life. I came to give you Zoe life. It's more than, more than just a human life, more than just a human understanding or, a, or a, a human existence. It's the life of God in your soul. You know, this is the life. If you're, if you're listening to my voice, this is the life that birthed our country. God, in the, in the 1700s, there was a young Young man who wanted to be a preacher, he wasn't even saved yet. He was attending university in London, and he was depressed. He'd brought himself to the very point of death by fasting, but he wasn't born again. And someone gave him a book called The Life of God in the Soul of Man. And he read that book. It was like lightning struck his soul. The life of God entered into his soul, and he was born again. His room was filled with the glory of God, and he began to rejoice with joy unspeakable. And then someone else gave him a book. It was called The Commentary of the Old and New Testament by Matthew Henry. And he spent a year locked up in his dormitory reading this commentary of Matthew Henry. And then God sent him to America. The rest is history. We, might, we know him as, by the name of George Whitfields. And he turned our country on its ear for 40 years, preaching Christ. What was he preaching? There's a greater life. Oh, it's, it's, not your, it's not your accomplishments. It's not your money. It's not your career. There is a greater life available to us in Christ. It's the life of God. It's the life of God in the soul of man. I come to give life, Jesus said, and that more abundantly. This life is the person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit filling our hungry hearts and satisfying us totally and completely. Now it's time. It's time for us. It's time for us to take communion this morning. It's time for us to drink the cup, this cup of life. That's why Jesus came. Oh yeah, he came for more than symbols, more than crackers and grape juice. He came to give us life. He came to give us Zoe life, the life of God in the soul of man. The kind of life that transforms you into a different kind of person. Let's stand together, y'all. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.